0: Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with your host, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah Alcohola, Ian Wadley. Kick on back and listen to another exciting episode. It's time for the Rock and Metal Combat
1: Podcast! Hey there, hi there, ho there. it's me, Dr. Fuck from Thrasher. I am Combat, and uh. God, how about that intro, huh? Every time I go, come on! It's like, God, I can't believe I have a voice after that, huh? Huh, huh Mr.
2: Uh,
1: Ian? <laughs> yes, that Hello. is Ian. Our predictable, beer cracking, drunk co-host. Always glad to see you, man. You know, it's like I savor these moments looking at you, man, before the liver like you know, Thank you <laughs> It's cool yeah. to see you without tubes in your nose and stuff Due to the alcohol addiction
3: Yeah, it's going to happen I'm
1: just joking because I know your son listens, right? Right I would hate to put that in his mind I'm proud of your son Stop. He's my hero
3: <laughs> Unlike you He's my hero too Okay,
1: bye Alright, so uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to do uh, Floyd's the Call today, dude And it's because of Ian
3: Oh, hell yeah It's a it's very special,
1: time. special show about for time. Ian here And uh, I'm not that familiar with the album. He sent it my way, and uh, we'll talk about that later. But for now, we're going to go into some very important news, I guess. What happened this week? I don't know. You do.
3: Well, here's something. Uh, Man, this really unfolded right after we recorded the news from last week's episode. But the Bill Ward fucking Black Sabbath drama, man, did that... Fucking escalate quickly, uh, you know. Uh, so Bill came out and said, you know, fuck, you know, he want, he's not part of the last show. He talked more about, you know, why it didn't happen. He's pissed at Ozzy for fucking uh, all this shit Ozzy said, and he said he wanted a, a personal apology from Ozzy. And now it's been going back and forth between Ozzy and fucking Bill, and it's getting worse and worse. And uh, man, it's really sad. I gotta say, I'm on Team Bill, but uh, you know, I don't know. You know, there could be some. I, I think there's a little bit of truth to both sides. I don't think it, I don't think either one is 100 percent honest. But I'm definitely leaning more towards Bill Ward than I am fucking Ozzy. What do you think, Ralph? Yeah, I
1: do too. I mean, I, look, um, yeah, I, I'm not really. Uh, aware of really what's going on, but I can tell you this on the date of 11 11 11, when all four original members of Black Sabbath announced a reunion, let me tell you something. I don't think they would have done that if they knew Bill couldn't cut it, correct? Why would they announce a um, reunion if Bill couldn't cut it?
3: Well, I, I, I think they do that because, you know, they're trying to sell a product. And the best way to sell that product is to have all four original members. Because that's what, what that's what people really want.
1: But they weren't really selling a product. They were
3: just announcing Reunited. Only right, it was but, a bait. But and switch. they wish. Right, but they want interest. Okay, ooh, this is, you know, a new album from all four original members.
1: No, 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 no. real no, Black no, Sabbath. No, no, that's not what 11-11-11 uh, was about. 11-11-11 was about a tour.
3: What's... Uh, and, and the new album wasn't it? Well, you might be
1: right, but I know the album wasn't even. I don't know, man. It had to
3: be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, because, fucking Rick Rubin was there and everything.
1: They oh, yeah. they were talking okay.
3: about it. They were. All right,
1: yeah. all right, okay. You're you're right. You're right. Uh, either way, I mean, and look, and here's but, anna- yeah. here's another thing. Um, studio can fix anything. So they could have had, if Bill wasn't that good, or they could have pulled a kiss and put somebody else to play drums and, and say it's Bill, and then later years later, we find out that's not the case. The thing- uh, I,
3: I would have knew in a heartbeat. I would Bill Ward has a very distinct style. I do. Yeah, I, I agree. But I, I
1: don't know, man. I mean, again, I mean, the last time I saw Bill Ward, which was many years ago, with Black Sabbath, he was great. He was fine. If anything, Ozzy was the weak link there, you know. So, um, I, you know, yeah, he's he's overweight. He doesn't look that great, but he he delivers. He's a good drummer. I mean, he was then, and I something tells me he still is. And I know a lot of people. You know, it's funny because you know everybody is the first to point at Ozzy, calling him a liar or whatever it is, like the Bob Daisley shit. Oh well, I, I was against it, you liar. Then why'd you let it happen? All that shit. But once he says, "Well, Bill War can't cut it," everybody all of a sudden believes Ozzy. It's like, come on, make up your mind. Is he a liar or not a liar? You know, I don't know. Maybe he is telling the truth. I look. Don't ask me. I don't know. See what I well, did there?
3: No, you didn't get that. You're too. What, what I want. What, <laughs> what I want to do, you know, I wanted to find out the truth. So I called Ozzy's uh, speechwriter, Bob Daisley. Oh boy, I said, well uh, he
1: really sucks at speechwriting then. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and uh, he, said he, he said he's under a gag order and his rent is due so he couldn't elaborate. But uh, I don't know, I, I think it's, it's a little bit of both. I think they did have some health concerns with Bill. I mean, he has had heart attacks and problems, but he has lost a shit ton of weight. Have you seen recent pictures no, of Bill? No, 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 I haven't. Oh, oh, he's lost a shit ton of weight. Oh, that's good to know. He really has. Oh yeah, since the since the eleven eleven thing, he's lost a lot of weight. Uh, he even put out a video of him playing on YouTube to prove, <laughs> you know, like say, hey, I can do this shit, you know. Don't sit there and say I can't fucking how, play drums anymore. How is that video? I haven't watched it yet. I haven't had time. I've had a busy week, but yeah. I know he put it out. And I, I heard, I heard conflicting things. A lot of people said, "Hey, it sounds great," but they're like, "It's kind of short. It doesn't prove he could play like a two-hour set." Right. But uh, as as everything in Ozzy land, I think it all has to do with fucking money. You know, and uh, like you pointed out in the past, Ozzy was the weak link. I will say Ozzy has seen better the last couple years, though, vocally, than he has. I think now that... I I do believe that he is clean and sober now. And I think it helped his vocals tremendously. He was incredible on the screen, too. Incredible. Everybody says the last couple tours, you know, major difference. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw the 13 one, too. He was great. Right. And and, and I'm happy about that. I want Ozzy to sound good. I love Ozzy, man. It's just the fucking... The puppet masters behind him that, that that ruin Ozzy for me. You know, I, I think Ozzy in and of himself is a good person with a good heart. But he's got some evil motherfuckers behind him named Sharon.
1: Yeah, but you know, I mean, he is a good person. But to me, it seems like Bill has always been his whipping boy. And, well, that, and I think that's unfortunate because if anybody has seen that movie, God Bless Ozzy Osbourne... There's a scene where, in the beginning of the movie, where they're celebrating his, I think, 60th birthday. And the only member of Black Sabbath there was Bill Ward. And I think Bill Ward has always been the most upfront friend that Ozzy has had in Black Sabbath. I don't think Geezer and Tony has been uh, as great as a friend as Bill Ward. And you can just tell by Bill Ward, he's a class act, you know. He's he's a gentle soul, and you can just tell by the way he is. You know Definitely. and I feel they do abuse him, and I feel like Ozzy Osbourne may be a great soul maybe a great guy and you know me I'm always defending the guy you know with all everybody, everybody that, everybody and I hate when people bash Ozzy I mean I do hate it but come on man I, I'm also a realist you know and I see it as I you know Bill gets mistreated by Ozzy way too much and also if you see even those joking around the second coming home video which I highly do not recommend, because that fucking video, they talk in between songs.
3: But yeah, man, I, didn't, I didn't like that. I hate when, I,
1: I, like, I like, when I buy a video, I want to see the whole fucking song. Well, anyway, yeah. there's, there's a lot of clips of Ozzy just relentlessly bashing Bill, you know, while they're interviewing all four of them. And, you know, even at one point, you know, Bill is laughing at it, laughing it off, but... At the end of the video, he's like, God, I hate you. It's like, jeez, we did alone already, you know? Anyway, all right, go on. What else we got?
3: Yeah, well, they're, they're, that's what it is. I, I I don't know if this is going to get, you know, resolved. Unfortunately, I don't think it will. But I think it's very sad because they're all in their 60s. You know, Tony's not in good health. I wish they could end in a high note, but... Fucking who knows. And that's another uh, thing. That's another thing. Oh, you know, hopefully Sharon dies before Tony, and, and we can all work this shit out. No, I, don't,
1: I don't wish death even on her. But I will say this. Uh, you know, everybody's concerned about Bill's health, but, gee, Tony's got cancer. Yeah. And,
3: and they're, and, and, and and they're that, still
1: pushing him on stage. Yeah. Think
2: of that. All right.
3: Well, another story that, man, a lot of people are talking about. Uh, Slayer released a new song off their forthcoming album. Ew. They haven't released the I hate it the title yet. What was the name uh, of that one? Yeah. Oh God, it I was, don't know. It was I, I, terrible. I when something or other, blah blah the blah. The
1: wind or something. I don't know. It was terrible. No, when the silence, when the silence becomes real or some shit, it was yes. fucking terrible.
3: I, I, dude, I am a Slayer fucking nut swinger. I'm. Uh, I am old school. And and I, and and I was, I was disappointed. You know, uh, uh, they they implode song has been out for about a year now, and I thought that was a little half baked. You know, and then you hear this song, and I was like, man, that is, you know, I was at least hoping for a fucking a mandatory suicide or a fucking uh, you know expendable youth or a you know. Seasons of the Abyss type thing and it was just man it sounded like a bad B-side uh, yeah, another thing I, I thought the best thing they could have done was involve Gary Holt with the songwriting. I think he, they he really could have brought something no 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 no. he was allowed to uh, to do uh, you know guitar solos but that's it And I kind of think what it is in this day and age of all the shit you see happening, I think it all came down to money. Because if Gary Holt writes, Gary Holt gets more money. And right now, almost all this money is going to go to Tom and it's going to go to Carrie. You you know, Boost Off, you know, is a total fucking hired gun under contract. Uh, You know, Gary Holt's under contract. Tom and Carrie.
1: I I used to enjoy that cartoon when I was a kid. Tom and Carrie.
3: (laughs) But, uh, you, you know... And the big thing with Lombardo leaving is Lombardo was a hired gun. When he came back, uh, he, was, he wasn't he was given full membership in Slayer. He had a contract. You know, and, and, that, and that's what happens a lot of times when these guys leave and come back or guys that come later. You're not a full-fledged member. You don't get, uh, you know, t-shirt, you know, merch sales and shit like that. You don't get that. You get this. You get, like, X amount per gig, and that's the big thing Lombardo was bitching about, was like, uh, you know, I'm fucking Dave Lombardo, I'm a founding member of this band, but, you know, you guys are making all the fucking money, and I'm getting jack shit, and I kind of see both sides, you know, Dave Lombardo is also Quint Slayer three fucking times, that I know of, uh, and they kept it going, so I kind of see shit, but it all comes down to fucking money but uh, in this case, I, th- I think this new album is probably going to suffer because that's how they're looking at it. You know, if they would have, you know, wrote it as a band, gave Gary Holt, like, some input, I think it could have been an amazing Slayer album. With Gary Holt and Gary King together? Fuck, forget about it. But, uh, right here, you got you got a Gary King uh, solo album with Tom Mariah singing. Uh, you know, that's what I'm afraid of, at least. And, uh... I, I,
1: I have no hope. You see, Slayer, I've given up on since uh, seasons. I know a lot of people like Divine. Uh, I couldn't get into it. I mean, I, it's a very heavy album. But it, to me, I mean, listening to Divine was kind of like, I don't know, it was like, look, let's let's remain Slayer for the sake of remaining Slayer, where everything they did before that, they they had, I don't know, for me, you know, because I know a lot of people disagree with me when it comes to Slayer, but I stopped at, at season. and there's a lot of people that disagree with me <laughs> that was seasons. And there's a lot of people that think they died after Rain and Blood. I disagree. I mean, I love South of Heaven and season. even though my favorite Slayer is the Metal Blade years. but I love the, the first three death, you know, the, the you know up to seasons. You know after that, a song here and there, I love payback off God hates you all. I listen to all of them. I remember Jihad was good. Um oh, I
3: love that song. You know,
1: there's a couple songs here and there I like, but as a whole, it just doesn't...
3: I, I I see what you're saying. I'm a little bit more of a Slayer fanatic. I mean, I even like Diabolus, which everybody fucking hates. Yeah, I, I, I
1: hate that one a lot. I, I,
3: I love that album. That one has uh,
1: one good song, though. Scrum,
3: I think it was called. Yeah, Scrum's a great song. I, I like that one.
1: Uh, see, it shows you I listen to it.
3: Oh, no, 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 and I agree, I, I agree that the last, like, total, full, classic fucking album uh, was was Seasons. I agree with that wholeheartedly, but I still enjoy the albums after that. It's like, you know, to me, it's like the last, you know, total classic Kiss album, you know, to me, is like fucking Love Gun, but I still enjoy a shitload of Kiss albums after Love Gun, you know, but it's, it's different, it's not the same. And that's how I am, but I'm just more of a Slayer fucking fanboy. You know, to me, I, I enjoy Slayer and Anthrax more than I do Metallica and Megadeth out of the big four. You know, and I know I'm very into, you know, <laughs> not a lot of people agree with that. Well, I, but, uh, I,
1: I, when it comes to, which we should do a big four episode. Um, yeah. We should do a big four to eight episodes. F- I mean, five to eight. You know what I mean? Or I mean, five to nine. Oh,
3: Yeah. Fuck the Big Four. Been, Let's do five to nine. We, yeah. We've been threatening that for a while. I think that but, would but be a great know, episode. My, and that and that brings me, unless you have something else to say, uh we have a new story on another member of the Big Four. And that is Megadeth. Uh Megadeth released a picture of the new lineup. Uh once again, Mustaine says the new guitar player is the great greatest guitar player they had, but he says that every time. A new yeah, guitar player, but that guy in. is really good. Uh, oh, he might be. I haven't heard his other shit. Uh, oh, I love man. Chris Broderick. Anger, Anger. I thought, Anger I, is I, awesome. I, I thought Chris Roger was an amazing guitar he player. He is. He is. But here's the thing: it's the fucking Mustaine show. You're only gonna have as much input as what Mustaine says you can have. Dave Allison
1: must have it so good because they they release Super Collider. He gets no shit.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, because it all comes down to Dave. Yeah, uh, to the other Dave. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's like, but if they release something great, they'll be like, Dad, Junior, Dave Ellis." Right, right, right. No, but here, here's 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 the thing with Junior. And I, I'll tell you this: Hey God damn, I'd love to get Junior on the fucking show. He was on our page for a while, yeah, and then he, he went away. Oh, he did. I, he left. Well, well, I don't know if he left, but uh, he hasn't come back or commented. And I did say, you know, I tried to get a thing for all the fans to say, hey, Dave, you're on the page, come on the podcast. I think what happens was he went back and listened to the So Far So Good, you know, and I kind of bagged Mustaine a little bit. He bags Mustaine. He could get in trouble for fucking coming on the show. Who knows? Ellison's back in the band, but I'm sure it's like what I just talked about with Slayer. I'm sure it's at a reduced rate.
1: For sure. No doubt in my mind, because that guy... Without Megadeth is nothing. Absolutely yeah. zero. Well, well, I, I wouldn't say that per, as a... I'm, I'm not, no, no, I mean, I'm saying career-wise. Right. You know,
3: right. I, I agree with he you there. He cannot I agree with do you
1: nothing without Megadeth. Yeah, he yeah. plus, can't. you
3: know, he, he he sued Mustaine. There was all of that, you know, so I'm sure Dave made him pay, you know. But Dave's smart, too, because Dave knows the more ex-members he gets back, the better it looks. And that's why he tried to get Menza, and he tried to get Freeman back. And Marty Freeman basically said, nah, I'm okay. And what came out was Menza said that Mustaine wanted him to play for free on the new album. Like, I'm not going to pay you jack shit. You'll get some money to tour. And Menza's like, you got to be fucking kidding me. But here's the thing. Megadeth is doing that Kickstarter campaign for their new album. Which no I think, way. Oh, you didn't know about that? No. Yeah, no. Which I think is despicable. What? Megadeth? Yeah, Megadeth the, is they, doing... They're not hurting. They're doing the Kickstarter program for the new album.
1: That is ridiculous.
3: Yes, it is. Yes, I it don't...
1: Is. Look, I wouldn't even do that. I'm like, Well, I don't want to mention names, but somebody got upset with me because I wouldn't start a Kickstarter um uh, thing for something that's you know that was going to be done for Thratch or Die. I just can't be that way. I I, I I can't. I mean, I see bands do it all the time, and it's understandable because some of these bands that's their only source of income,
3: you know, right? But you know what? You know what, Dave Mustaine? If you wouldn't have put out Super Collider, you might not have needed a Kickstart program, <laughs> you know, because I feel be like he he built a lot of fan base back with Endgame. You know, a lot of people came back after Endgame like, oh, finally. 13 came out and they're like, uh, uh, it's not an Endgame. And then fucking Super Collider came out and they're like, get the fuck out of here. It's like, what are you thinking? You know? What are you right. thinking? Right. He, ch- he chased fucking radio again. And, and and
1: radio sucks now. Radio can't even further you anymore. It's right. not like what and it, it and used it, to be.
3: Right. And, here's you know, it's kind of like how you always, you always uh, bag Metallica. You know, especially like Death Magnetic. You're like, let's them pretend to be Thresh. He goes, they lost the fire. I don't know. When I heard Endgame, it sounded sincere. I was like, this guy still breathes because it. He, he still has, loves it.
1: Because, look, and this is well documented.
3: Dave but then Mustaine, he, bow, he bowed down again to try yes, to fucking get it. I understand it.
1: that. But when, and Dave Mustaine, I don't know how true this is, but I did read recently that he knows what the fans want. So the next album's is going to be kind of like an Endgame. I hope, because that's what he made it he sound ha- like.
3: He had to say that though. The backlash over Super Collider was universal. Okay,
1: but, but 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 listen but hear me out. The thing is, unlike Metallica, and this is so well documented, Dave Mustaine has such a fucking ship on his shoulder that he's pissed. He's he has that fire and vinegar to release an endgame again. Because after how many fucking albums? I mean, I, nothing against United, Abomination, and The System is Failed. I thought those both were good albums. It's just Endgame was way better. But he, right. but he still has, he still got that fire. Metallica doesn't. I'm sorry. They're just right. too rich. To, no, they don't and, have and, that hunger
3: anymore. And Mustaine has the talent. I still swear he is the best guitar player among the big four by light years. By light years, he is the best guitar player.
1: And and in my my opinion, he is the one most likely to record the best album out of all four.
3: But he is so like, oh, always that chasing Metallica's ghost. You know, always like, oh, you know, I need the number one album. I need these sales. I need to beat Metallica. You're never going to beat Metallica. And that's not a bad thing. Metallica is as big as they are because they fucking sold the fuck out. And they gave up. That's why they're as big as they are.
1: I think they sold out with Death Magnetic. Before that, I don't think they ever sold out.
3: Oh, I I, dis, I disagree a thousand percent.
1: I, I really do think they did it on their own terms, even though I didn't like it. At least they were making music how they wanted to do it.
3: I, I honestly... you And I don't know. I don't know these guys. Death Magnetic this, was this, them trying this is, to cater. This is the one band I don't know. I know everybody else. I don't know Metallica. But I think they got such a huge taste with one. I think one is what absolutely killed Metallica. I love that song. Well, I, no, I love it too. But it elevated them. It was it, and it was a gentler Metallica. It was still a heavy, crushing song. I still love one, but it opened up to a whole new audience, and they just they went for that full. I don't course. know,
1: man. I think uh, Faith of Black and Sanitarium was pretty much the same vibe as one. But that's man. me.
3: Uh, I think the difference was the acceptance. You know, they put out the video, opened up to a whole new audience, and I think they just wanted more and more people. And you can hear that in the Black Album. I think... I, I don't think that Black Owl was a natural progression. I think that was a grasping at the fucking money. They saw what... Ever, more people gravitate towards one. So, hey, let's give them an album of fucking ones. Well, you know, I damn, think I the think. Greatest,
1: also I think what happened with the Black album was they just took that whole concept of a million riffs and long songs as far as they could and they just wanted to simplify it and yeah I guess in a way that is selling out because they figured okay let's do it this way and uh, yeah of course you know I mean I'm sure they did it to to get open to a larger audience they didn't want to get stuck in you know, a rut where, you know, they were just pigeonholed as this thrash band. Because, you know, look look what happened to thrash once Nirvana came in. Like, a lot of people always talk about how Nirvana and grunge killed, you know, the hair metal. It killed everything. It killed thrash, traditional, you name it. Metal was a bad fucking word once grunge came in. It wasn't just hair metal. It was everything. So Metallica, I guess, was... Pretty much like, you know, they knew in a way, look, we can't get, you can't be a thrash band forever, you know?
3: But that, but that just shows me they were fucking cunts to begin with, though, that that they could give up like that, and that they distanced themselves from all those bands, they changed the logo, they didn't want to be associated with that, they didn't take metal bands out on tour with them, they took out shit like Kids Rock and Days of the New and shit like, fuck Metallica, I'll tell you what. Let's spend the last minute of news that a fucking band I actually fucking respect and like. Fuck Metallica. Uh, but but it is a band that you hate, so I don't know how much input you'll have. Oh, boy. But but a lot of people, especially a lot of fans of our show, have been talking about the new leaked album by Faith No More. I don't care. And, uh, yeah, I know, I know you don't care, but I want to address our fans. We have a lot of fans have been yeah, asking.
1: This is, the, this is the Ian Wadley show now. I'll stay quiet on
3: this one. Alright. Uh a lot of fans have been asking, you know, oh, when are you gonna do a Faith and More review? Here's the thing. Ralph doesn't like Faith and More. And and doesn't want to do a review. And I gotta respect that. Now Ralph has done reviews of albums that he doesn't like but they're by they're by artists that he likes. You know? Like we you know, we did Ultimate Sin, you know, he doesn't like that album but he loves Ozzy. He doesn't like Faith No More, so that's why we haven't done a Faith No More. But I want to talk to our fans about it, because they've been asking about it. Uh, my first listen to the album, I was disappointed. It was the first time I was disappointed by a Faith No More. Uh, normally, the, the last time I heard one and I didn't care for it, was Angel Dust, which everybody says is their best, and I grew to love that album. I worship that fucking album now. But at first time, I didn't get it. I wanted Real Thing Part 2, and it, it wasn't that. And now I'm so glad it's not, you know, because it's, it's perfect the way it is. But the new one, Soul Invictus, uh, first time I was like, eh. Second time I was like, it's not so bad. Third time I heard it, I was like, this is pretty fucking good. Fourth time it's like, to me it sounded, it, it just seemed like a progression. It's Faith the More, they never made the same record fucking twice. And I love that about it. uh and, you know, I would encourage anybody, man, if they're coming near you, go see him because uh, I got to see them on the Angel Dust Tour, and they're absolutely incredible. And uh, so all you Faith No More fans asking there, we're probably not going to do a Faith No More review, but I think you should check the album out. Uh, you got anything else you want to add, Ralph, other than you hate Faith No More? <laughs> it's You know, I, and I really hate that
1: Mike Patton guy. I mean, and again, I, I like a lot of bands that have douchebags. So, you know, I mean, I'm not saying that's why I hate their music, but I think Mike Patton is a little full of himself. Look, there was a band a few years ago. I don't know if you liked them or not. I really hated them. They were called Wolf Mother. I think they were called that.
3: Was there a band? I, I, yeah. Something yeah, like that. Yeah.
1: They were yeah. like a rock band, like, you know, in the, in the sea of whatever modern metal and all that shit. This band comes out that was pretty much, you know, old school kind of rock or whatever. And there was a video of Mike Patton, like, at some outdoor show. Yeah, I, they saw were, it. I, they, I saw While they were it. playing in the background.
3: Yeah, and he, he was ragging went, the shit.
1: He went into this whole tirade. And basically saying, you know, not, not only that the band sucked, but he also he also said, like, wow, what are we in, 90s, the 80s? Like, it's such a bad thing. Like and he's like, God, haven't we gotten over this crap already? So I was like, great. You know, so... so you mean,
3: he he did he did come off as a dick in that video. I'll be the first to admit. And I'm a huge Mike Patton fan. And I met him, and I was kind of scared to meet him because like I heard like he's a colossal asshole. And I hate when I meet people I, I look up to and they're dicks. When I met him at a Mr. Bungle show, he couldn't have been fucking nicer, more humble. I mean, they were playing a small, they were playing basically a, a glorified bar, and they were setting up their own equipment. And he was very polite, spent time talking to me and my buddy, and was totally cool. But I do know that I do know the video you're talking about, Ralph, and he did come off like an elitist fucking douchebag. Yeah,
1: yeah, I hate and, people like that.
3: And and a, and a friend of mine—well, uh, I shouldn't say friend; he's a Facebook friend. I never met him in life. But uh, Chris Contos, the original drummer from uh, from Machine Head, uh, he posted that uh, he hates him. Because he had seen them at, You know Places around San Francisco And said they had That elitist vibe to them he, he didn't point out Anybody in particular But that's what he said He hated about them You know Like they were so Cooler than everybody else You know So I, I get that But uh, hey I do think they're cooler Than a lot of Fucking other bands I appreciate what they do And I think it is art It It is art to me It's kind of On another level Not that it's better But it's just different It's more artistic to me. I'm I'm hip to that, man.
1: I'm hip hip to all the cats that like bands I don't like. It's not a problem. You know, I mean, hey, man, uh, a lot of people love Faith No More. I mean, Faith, Faith No More getting back together is a good thing because there's a lot of people out there that are very excited to have Faith No More back. And, hey, man, I may hate them, but I'm happy for the people that like Faith No More because in the end... Who the fuck am I to tell anybody and tell anybody, oh, I hate that band, therefore you can't like them either, or you cannot enjoy them anymore? That, to me, is elitism. Like Mike Patton. Like, uh, are we in the
3: 80s? Ah, <laughs> uh, You know, I don't like
1: this fucking... He's talking for everybody else. Like, he's like, well, why can't we get over the 80s already? It's like, dude, fuck you. It's like, oh, so, so you're going to tell me, what, what's that song? I'm easy, easy on Sunday morning. Who was that? The Commodores, right? Commodores. Yeah, yeah. that was the 70s, asshole. You didn't get over it because you covered it, hypocrite. (laughs) All right, so let's get into the review. This week we are reviewing uh, Blue Oyster Cult's Secret Treaties. What what, what year did this come out, Ian?
3: Uh, I want to say 74. All right,
1: 1974. Uh, Ian, I really, this is a... this is the first time you made you made me do homework. because I, I love it. Honestly, I don't know this album. I only know the songs that were on On Your Feet and On Your Knees, the live album, which I own. Right. I, I know those songs. And also the greatest hit CD that was Worship of the teles, Telescopics?
3: Workshop of Telescopes.
1: Yeah, that one. I, I own that. So there are a few songs that I don't know that I've heard for the first time that you made me do homework, but uh, a lot of these I I knew from, you know, a live version or, you know, from uh, The Greatest Hits thing. Uh, I know it means more to you than me, but uh, I gotta be honest with you, I've been listening to this album a lot, and I really dig it. I think it's a really good album. I own it on vinyl, but I own so many vinyls, it's hard for me to... I did listen to it even when I bought it on vinyl, but it was like once or twice, and I own like all that old uh, Bruce to stuff. And I never really sat down and let it sink in. Like I did the live album and, and, uh, fire of unknown origin. I know that album and cult of source Erectus too, you know, but the, as far and you know, but as far as this album, it's still kind of new to me, but, uh, you tell us, you know, you have more of a personal thing to, uh, about this album. So tell the people what it means to you.
3: Oh man, this band means everything to me. Uh, There's never a point in my life when I didn't know Blue Oyster Cult because my dad was such a huge, huge fan of theirs. And this is the one band that we had in common. You know, he hated Kiss. Didn't get a lot of the metal I got. But we really bonded on Blue Oyster Cult. Unfortunately, we never got to see them together. Uh, My dad died when I was young. And at the time, you know, when I was even old enough to go to concerts, they were pretty much, uh, you know, playing bars at that time that I couldn't get into. Uh, but I absolutely love this fucking band uh, they, they are like a cult You know, because they have cult status You know, you either You get it or you don't Or you just know, you know Don't Fear the Reaper But I know every fucking album And every song And uh, that's actually how I got my nickname Wadzilla Was I got thrown out of a Blue Oyster cult show The first time I saw him uh, <laughs> I saw him at House of Blues in Orlando And I was so excited. Got a little bit too drunk. I'm right up front. And these older guys there, there wasn't a shit ton of people there. But these older guys, I'm I'm singing every lyric to every song. They're like, holy shit, you really love Blue Oyster Cold. I was like, hell yeah. And they're like, you should get up on stage. Oh boy. I was was like, oh, that seems like a great idea. So these two guys pick me up, (laughs) throw me on stage. And it's funny because Blue Oyster Cold are a very short band that I didn't realize till I got on stage, and I'm towering over them. And I just go up to, like, Buck Darb, I put my arm around him, I go up to fucking Harry Bloom, put my arm around him, and uh, I was just like, yeah, and they looked so fucking scared. <laughs> they looked so fucking petrified. And uh, it was so funny, here comes two security guards running at me from both sides of the stage. It was like some Keystone Cop shit. They come running at me. I jump backwards by the drums. They hit each other. <laughs> they hit each other trying to grab me. Fall down. I look into the crowd and I realize I can't stage dive because nobody will fucking catch me. You know, it's like, it's like, it's a, it's a bunch of like forty year old men. But I shouldn't even say a bunch. So I just do a running. I, I do like the Karate Kid, like the crane kick out into the crowd. And then I see my two buddies that I came with, they're they're tripping their ass off on shrooms. And they're just like, wow, man, you were like on stage, man. And I was like, yeah, it was awesome. And I think I made it because I'm out into the big crowd. No, man, fucking bouncer grabs my ass. I was like, oh, shit. And they take me, if you're familiar with House of Blues, there's always like a sidebar. They take me to that. And I was, I'm so fucked up, I was like, Okay, and I try to order a beer, and they're like, no, motherfucker, you're out of here. Security grabs me, man. They take me out the side door. Then I try to go, come back around to the front, and I go to get in, this guy's like, wait a minute. He's like, are you the blonde-haired kid that just got thrown out of here? I was like, I'm like, yeah, but I won't make no trouble. I'm sorry. I won't get back up on stage again. And he is actually, he's like, I believe you, dude. And he goes to let me back in. Probably because they need to sell beer, (laughs) you know, because there's nobody at this show. But then another guy comes back, and he's like, no, no, you're out of here. I couldn't even, they made me stand out, uh, like, in the main part of Disney. That's where House of Blues was in Orlando, at Disney. It's still there, by the way. Yeah, and I couldn't be, I couldn't be on House of Blues property. I had to be in, like, the fucking walkway. But that was my first Bloister Colt concert, and uh, I got the nickname of Wadzilla after Godzilla, you know, and Because that's what I did. I stomped on stage like fucking Godzilla trash shit and then disappeared. That's an awesome story, you know. But, uh, I absolutely love this band. This album comes from my favorite period, which is known as the black and white period. That is the first three studio albums and and the first live album. Uh, They would change a little bit after this. This is their most metal fucking period. And, uh, this album is just in my fucking DNA. I absolutely love it. Along with all their... Well, I shouldn't say all. There's a, there's a couple stinkers, I think. But uh, I love pretty much all of Oyster Cult. But let's get into this motherfucker with the first song. Ralph, I know you got to love this shit. Talk about Career of Evil.
1: Career of Evil, I fucking love. So, I didn't know it back in the day, the 70s. This is something I discovered in the 90s from the the, lo, the greatest hits, The Worship of the Telescope. Um, and... One thing I forgot to mention: how many times I saw Blue to Cult. Uh, the first time I saw Blue Earth to was actually at a baseball stadium, which which the opening act was the Motorhead, their very first American show. Headliner was Hard, but they had the big Godzilla behind them. The, nice. se- the second time I saw Blue Earth to was at the Hollywood Sportatorium, which was MTV was there and filmed it with Foghat. And you can see that whole show on, on YouTube. I was at that show, and I saw them at Gulfstream Park, which is a dog dog track for five bucks. Then I saw them at the Culture Room, which was amazing. Uh, they really kicked ass at that one. That was probably the best time I saw them. And I just saw them, like, last year at uh, the casino, free show at one in the afternoon, where they played Career of Evil. Nice. First time I saw them play, and I believe it was the opening track. I was like, oh, I know this song. I dig this one. And then, when you finally sent me the album, I was like, ah, yes, I know this tune. I love this song. Uh, probably my second favorite song on the album. Um, it reminds me, you know, the music-wise, it reminds me a lot of Alice Cooper's band. The early Alice Cooper stuff. It's got that vibe from Killer and Love It To Death. I love Career of Evil. Awesome fucking song. Uh, the keyboards are a little Archie-ish. Would you agree?
3: Uh, I, I, I love it. I'll get into that in my review, but I, I love them on this.
1: Yeah. Well, go ahead. What do you think of career review?
3: Absolutely fucking amazing. What a great opener. Uh, lyrics by Patti Smith. I did not uh, know that. Yes, yes. She was, uh, she was then-girlfriend of Alan Lanier, who played keys and rhythm guitar. Did he uh,
1: recently pass away?
3: Yes, he did, unfortunately. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I kind of thought of that today while watching one of their videos.
3: Yeah, and, and luckily, I'd say a couple of months before he passed away, he'd already retired from playing live with the band. Uh, but uh, the, the, the original five got back together for an anniversary show right before this last box set came out. And uh, God, I would have gave anything to be there. But uh, yeah, so so Alan was begging Patty Smith at the time and uh, she she wrote uh, I, I don't know how many songs maybe four or five songs she co-wrote lyrics for and this is one uh, a great song and this to me you were talking about the keys it sounds like evil circus music you know I, I don't know I just I, I love the the keys it's uh you know it's not like like you know uh, your final countdown keyboards it's like you know, it's more like the Doors type, you know, Steve. organ and stuff like that. But it's there's, it's so evil. Blues are cults, fucking evil, and I fucking love that about them. And uh, man, I just, I've always loved this. I love that. I'm gonna do it to your daughter on a dirt road, you know? Yeah, yeah. Cool, <laughs> and it's, era. oh yeah, you know, steal your ransom money. Oh man, uh, always puts a smile on my face. But there's something very evil about it. And, and they made a career of it. Hey, what do you know? Uh, absolute awesome track. And I love the way it segs right into, like, like almost no break, bam, right into Subhuman. Which, another great, great track. Murky and dark. Uh, beautiful fucking keys on this by Alan. And uh, they redid this on the uh, Imaginos album. Which is uh, a very controversial Blue Oyster Cold album you know, Some don't even consider it a real Blue Oyster Cold album I think it was their last great one uh, But they re-recorded it And called it Blue Oyster Cold. But to me it will always be The Subhuman And uh, amazing Amazing fucking track What do you think Ralph? This was the very first song I've
1: heard from this album Because I do own the On Your Feet On Your Knees Where they opened the show with that song and I love it. I, I've always loved this song. I, it has this, like, trippy-type verse, you know? But then it goes into that... I love that sound. And the, and the vocals that go with it, intertwining. Um, Subhuman is a fucking awesome song. Um, damn, I don't know how, what else to say. I, I kind of feel like I'm breezing through this, but, but, you know, it's like... I don't have the history you do have, because I'm judging it by... I'm trying to do the studio version here, which I never heard the studio version till you sent me this. I'm so used to the live version, but to tell you the truth, listening to the studio version, you know, usually when you listen to, like, let's say an example, if your first album was Kiss Alive, and then you go back and listen to Deuce and stuff, you're like, ah, I like the Kiss Alive version more. I don't, right. kinda, I, I, I don't get that from Subhuman. I do get that from another song. I like the live version more, but Subhuman, I think just as good studio wise it's really cool I love the song and that goes into Dominance and Submission which they do play on that sport, Sportatorium show I was at um again I knew this on the live version actually the live version that's on Warship of the Telescopes now what what is that from Ian is that like some later live album or in some enchanting evening or something
3: uh, oh man, I would have to. There is to, a live version. I, I, I it, It's a workshop of telescopes, is the album. Uh, I, I know it lists it on there, but I can't remember offhand which version that is.
1: Well, that, again, I have to give it to the studio version because. What the hell did he say? Like, Radio Superior? Or what did yeah. what is, what is he say? Oh man, oh god. With that deep voice. Ready? Dominant, sufficient. Radios, yeah.
3: appear here. Uh, radios appear. Radios appear.
1: Radios appear. Yeah. Well, anyway, the live version doesn't have that part. And that's like the coolest part for me in this song. Radios
3: here. It's so it's so
1: uh, catchy that you know I've been listening to this album a lot, not only the vinyl, but when I go out for my walks, I've been listening to it. You know, to give, to let it sink in a lot, and that that really, I mean, after I listen to it, like even hanging out at home. It it, it got stuck in my head. I kept saying (laughs) that my radio superior.
2: I thought it was superior, you know?
1: But, uh, oh, I love it. I love it. Um, He actually makes the, in the live version, he makes the crowd sing with him. So it kind of takes away a lot. I I really dig the studio version much more than that live version on that Grady 6. What do you think of Dominus' Submission?
3: oh yeah I, I totally get what you're saying about it <laughs> getting stuck in your head cause I always I'm like in Times Square now people do the polka dominance mission radios appear <laughs> that shit's <laughs> radios
1: appear that's, <laughs>
3: that's awesome it's, it, it's so awesome man and like I said I grew up with this song and uh oh man this was a favorite of my old man's always been a favorite of mine it's great live when they do this live it's absolutely fucking amazing um man it's just it, it's an all time fucking classic I believe this was uh, yeah this was written by uh, Albert Bouchard the drummer Eric Bloom Sandy Perlman their manager Sandy Perlman uh, was very important in their career uh, a lot of with songwriting his managing his producing I mean he kind of really was a Spengali you know he was like a uh, uh, like their uh, what's the fucker from Kiss uh, Bill of Coin yeah. you know But I I think even more instrumental in their career than even Bill Coyne was to Kiss. I mean, he was a huge part while he was was with the band. And, uh, man, Dominance of Submission. (laughs) That's just... That's some awesome shit right there. And then it leads into another great rocker. Holy shit. Emmy 262. I fucking love this. I love this song because it makes me feel like I'm on an Me 262 which is a German fighter plane is that what's and, on the cover yes yes and I actually I remember I, I have a shirt that I have a couple VOC uh, shirts that have uh, that plane on the cover and I remember a guy coming up to me he's like oh that's awesome I, I was like oh you like Bloister Cold he's like no it's an Me 262 and he was like <laughs> War, he was a World War II buff <laughs> especially the Nazis uh, but uh Man, what a great fucking song. Uh, uh, another one. I, I don't think I've ever got to hear him play this live. But I, I would freak the fuck out if I did. Uh, this was co-written. This is uh, Eric Bloom and Buck Darman, Sandy Perlman on this one. And, uh, man, this is just... This is the, like the heaviness to me of Boyster Cult that they kind of abandoned uh, after this period. Which, I mean, they still got some heavier songs and some great, great songs, but this is definitely the, the more hard rock, more metal side of uh, Blue Oyster Cult, and I absolutely fucking love it. What do you think of MB-262?
1: Oh, I love it, too. Uh, again, another one that I knew from that live album. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think I have to go with the live album version uh, on this one. Maybe it's because... I don't know. I haven't. Again, I've been listening to this album for about two weeks now, so... It's really like I can change my mind. Like I think the only episode we ever did with new music was the Eighth Freely one. Freely, I mean, uh, rocks. What is it? Uh, space invader when it first came out. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, so it's it's really hard for me to judge this studio version because listening to it, it's like, yeah, I remember this one on the live album, but. Um, the studio one I don't know it, it, it didn't grab me Like the live one But the, the live one I don't know What does he say Does he say Heavy metal fruit In that song That's <laughs> what it sounds like Heavy metal fruit I don't Yes know. Yeah he does That's, what, that's what he says That's what yes. he says Heavy metal fruit Yeah <laughs> Alright Is <laughs> the next track KG Creighton's it's a new song to me It's uh, So far, you know, this is not on the greatest hits or the live album So this is like the first song so far that's brand new to me So I can't say uh, I'm into it that much yet It hasn't really sunk in It has a decent riff But at the moment, you know, I, mean, I have to let it sink in a little more Because this is the first song on the album that's brand new to me I've never heard any type of version of it uh, Ian, go into KG Preachers.
3: Um, my least favorite on the
1: album. All right. Oh, okay. I, I forgot to mention, because you walked away. When yeah. I told Ruben what we were reviewing today, he mentioned this song going, that's the
3: best song. <laughs> oh, man. Weird enough. Well, yeah, well, Ruben also likes UFO, so. Yeah, there you go. But, uh, <laughs> I love that band! <laughs> I love Ruben, but we disagree on UFO. Um... Uh, but anyway, this song, I love it. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it's my least favorite.
0: There,
3: there's just something about it, but I, I would never want it gone. I from the album, I would never skip it. To me, it's this. This is a this is a true rock album where you play from start to finish. Uh, it just happens to be my least favorite, but uh, it, it's still you know, it's creepy, and I, I love the part where. It's so lonely in the state of Maine. You know, I cannot, I cannot, yeah. I can never picture hearing this album without that part coming up. And sometimes even if, like, it'll lose my attention a little bit. When that part comes up, you know, I'm always singing along. There's just something about it that's catchy. Um, Like I said, least favorite, but I still love it. But, you know but, that leads into my favorite of the album. And that is Harvester of Eyes. Holy fucking shit, do I, do I love this fucking uh, song. This was a favorite of my dad's, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where the way he explained it to me made me look at it a whole nother way. Uh, you know, I just listened to it, thought it was cool, but I really didn't think about the lyrics that much, but he's like, see, I grew up kind of close to the country, you would see harvesters all the time, and that's like the big metal buildings, you know, that people put all their corn into and stuff like that, you see big tractors dumping into. It's, it's, it's a huge storage facility and then he goes just think of that filled with fucking eyes and that always fucking creeped me out i was like wow i I never really thought about like and and ever he told me that when i was probably like fucking 10 and stuck with me this day every time i hear this song i just think like all these eyes just looking around and, and if and if you listen to the lyrics and stuff it's so fucking creepy and so cool uh a lot of the lyrics, man, it's it's very uh, sci-fi, horror, uh, really kind of kept them, you know, they were their own thing. A lot of people call them like the, the American Black Sabbath, and I think that's more so because of uh, the darkness to the music, not so much that they sound alike, but they were both heavy and sang about dark subjects, um, but oh my god, this is an amazing track I listened to about four times in a row before we did this excellent all time I think I heard them play this once but my opinion should be played at every fucking Bloister Cult show what do you think Ralph
1: yes I love this song too it was I did see them perform this uh, at the Cult Room show I went to Um, awesome fucking song Uh, again another song I was aware of all this time see the live album Uh, I would say I like the live album version more but it's cool it's cool on, on here and yeah, you, you I, I wanted to say that this band is very—they're—they're they're very original too. It's like they're kind of like—they're not your regular, you know, rock and roll structure type band. They, you know, they kind of make left turns here and there. And yes, they are very like fr- freaky sci-fi, almost Twilight Zone-ish type band. Oh yeah, where you know they, they their subject matters are not your typical subject matter for songs. And, uh, Harvester of Eyes is probably my second favorite song. My favorite song is the next one, actually. That, nice. uh That I discovered from the greatest hits. It's not on the live album. So I discovered this song in the 90s, and I loved it back then. Uh, Flaming Telepath." Um, I, I, what can I say? Th- it's just, I love the fucking music to it. That's what gets, even the beginning. That, that music, that, the keyboard, the whole, the whole vibe. Oh, yeah. The whole vibe to the song. And that whole, in the joke's on you.
3: Oh, yeah. So
1: fucking cool. And then at the end, when it goes, in the joke's on you, when it repeats. Then it abruptly stops into astronomy. I love Flaming Telepaths. I don't think I've ever seen them play this song. Unfortunately. I, I don't know. I got to look at that Sportatorium show again. They might have played it there, because I own it on DVD. But, um... Or that, that show that I saw with Hart. Uh, they might have played it that night But I'm sure they didn't play it at uh, The other the, the last three shows I went to Because I was already aware of that song And it was a standout track from Disc 1 From that workshop of Telescopes I was like, this song right here is my favorite song And it is one of my favorite Melissa Calls songs In general, you know, I think it's one of their best uh, What do you think?
3: Uh, I agree with you there this is the one that you know I've kind of flipped flop back and forth and what's what's my favorite this or Harvester of Eyes you know today it's Harvester Eyes on any other given day it could definitely be Flaming Telepaths and I was kind of wondering you know when I was listening to it today it's like I know I've heard a live version of this and I'm looking it's on none of the the official live albums and I've got some bootlegs I'm looking I cannot find for the life of me I don't know if I saw it on fucking YouTube or what but I particularly, I want to say I remember a version live where it just keeps on going. And the buildup was so awesome with the, and the joke's on you. Because it's it's very strong the way that builds up at the end. So fucking, it's a sinister fucking song. You know, with some eerie piano in the beginning. And uh, Alan Near plays a moog on this. Which was very kind of, you know, like a new kind of thing at the time. And they had one at Columbia uh, Records uh, Studio where they recorded this. and He found it and just dug it out for this song, and it sounds perfect. It goes back and forth between that and Real Piano, and it just sounds absolutely incredible. But uh, yeah, this, this is one I would definitely point out, like, you know, trying to get somebody enticed into Blue Oyster Cult that might only know, you know, the radio songs. Like, hey, check this out, you know. Definitely. And I did put
1: up a live version today on my wall, which is uh, on my Facebook wall. Uh, 75. It's really well shot. I would love to get that show. It looks like it's a full concert from something, but... Ooh, I'm
3: going to have to check that out. Yeah,
1: it's an amazing live version of it. It's really good. Yeah, it's a pro shot, 1975, and uh, it's on YouTube. Look it up. It's an amazing live version, too. It's really cool, and it does, like, the strobe light, and there is an ending to the song. Where you know how it abruptly ends right. on, on this great, great song. Go to the next one. All
3: right, uh, this one's definitely considered an all-time classic. Astronomy, uh, amazing song that kind of got a uh, it got a second life. Uh, you know, Metallica covered it, and uh, to me, they did a very pedestrian cover. But I'm glad they did because I think it did turn some people on to Blue Oyster Cult that didn't know them. Uh, my son for one I couldn't get him into it but at the time he worshipped anything Metallica did they covered it so now Blue Oyster Cult's cool you know uh, you know I, I hope he knows this track is better than their fucking safe ass Bob Rock produced cover but this one is so amazing this is part of uh, you know the big Sandy Pearlman story Imaginos you know which was uh, after Al Bashard was kicked out of the band he tried to make it uh, his first studio album was going to be a whole album just based on this book uh, of poems and stuff that Sandy Perlman wrote and uh, they had done tracks throughout the years for Blue Oyster Cult that were you know, based lyrically and stuff from this book and but the band would never agree to like okay, we're going to do this whole thing you know, but Al was the one who really loved it and uh, they did re-record it for Imaginos um uh, just amazing, man. The vocals by uh, by Eric Bloom on this are, are fucking so good. Musically, it's fucking beautiful, and it has every element uh, of a great to cult song in it. it. Fires on all fucking cil- cylinders. Fucking the music, the vocals, uh, everything is great. What do you think of Astronomy?
1: Yeah, I love it too. Actually, unfortunately, the first time I heard it was from Metallica. I didn't own the the Greatest Hits. It, wow. wasn't, it wasn't on the live album uh, So I wasn't aware of this song The first time I heard Metallica's version I was like, eh, I don't know this Blue of song And it didn't really make me rush out And look for it either Because I, I I agree with you It's not really a good version It didn't really turn me on To, oh let me hear Blue of Cold's version I just figured it would have been like that But no, I was wrong Because when I bought Workshop of the Telescopes It's on there and when I finally heard the original version, I was like, oh shit, this song's really good. You know, I mean, I, I guess because the vocal melody, the vibe, the production, it fit well. Metallica's just, I think Metallica just did it too clean. And that one part, dance at dan, that dan, hey, dance da da it just sounded really bad when Metallica did it. And uh, when they do it, it's very 70s, classic rock, the shit I love, you know? Right. Um, Yeah, one of my favorites on the album as well, man. I've always dug this song ever since I got that greatest hits. Uh, Go
3: ahead. One thing I want to say about the Metallica version uh, is there could be a lot of factors of why maybe it wasn't that great. uh, Well, one, Bob Rock's producing it. Uh, uh, Excuse me. Two... I think the main reason they did it was kind of a tribute to Cliff. Because Cliff was the huge Bloister Cult fan of the band. Yes, he was. I don't think the other guys were even really into it, but Cliff was a huge Bloister Cult fan. And I think they're paying tribute to him. And maybe it just doesn't come across as good because it doesn't mean as much to them. You know, they're thinking more of Cliff than they're thinking about the song, you know. Maybe that's
1: why Tuesday's Gone sucked too. Cliff, <laughs> yeah. Cliff was a huge Leonard Skinner fan and he was a huge Thin Lizzy fan and Whiskey in a Jar was pretty shitty too.
3: Yeah, so I I think it's like they were more trying to tip their hat to him than, you know, the song coming from somewhere deep inside him, you know, where if yeah. Cliff was there, Cliff would have made sure every fucking note was right yeah. because it, me- it meant something to him. But, uh, man, uh, an amazing song uh... End of an era from Blowuscher Cult, the beginning of another. You know, uh, this was their last black and white album, right? Yeah, that's considered. Yeah, from the what, black and white
1: What came after this one?
3: Uh, after this, they put out the live album on Your Feet and on Your Knees, which was from the tour for this. And then uh, they changed up gears, and out came Agents of Fortune, and uh, they really blew up with, you know, Don't Fear the Reaper, of okay, course. So that was the first. I thought Godzilla came first. No, no, that was on the album after that, Spectrus. Which uh, I don't own, I've never heard that one. I, I I love it, it is kind of all over the place, but I love it. But is it all over the place? Because Agents of Fortune I never
1: really got into.
3: Yeah, uh, I mean, Agents of Fortune, there's... Man, I think that's a definitely, uh, you know, you want to talk about an overrated album. There's some stuff on that that I absolutely love. And then yeah, there's there's like some,
1: three songs off that one.
3: Yeah, and then there's some shit that I just... Yeah, you know, it's like, I, I really... My favorite era is the first three albums. It's definitely the heavier Bloister Um I, I, I mean, I, I like it. It's just... It, it's it's overrated. I can see where that can turn some people off. Like, okay, they go out and buy that just because they don't care the Reaper. They hear the rest of the album, they're like, ah, fuck Bloister Cult. I just like Don't yeah. Fear the Reaper. Whereas if they were to check out any of the first three albums and, and the first live album, it could really change their mind. Right. But I, I, I love almost every era of Cult. I think there's only one album that I really, really hate. Uh, Which one's that? Club Ninja. Uh,
1: oh. Is that the one with Dancing in the Ruins?
3: Yes. Okay, I haven't uh, heard uh, of that album either. Oh, ho- horrible, horrible album. Uh, in, in my opinion.
1: What do you think of Revolution by Night?
3: Uh... There's some songs I, I absolutely love on Revolution by Night, but it was the beginning to the end. Uh, they had fired Al Bouchard, who was a huge, huge part of the band. I mean, the original lineup, it takes all five of them, you know, to really make it sound like Boyz Cult to me. And, and, and not even from a playing standpoint as much as a writing standpoint. Uh, but there's a great, like Eyes on Fire, uh, I really like, uh, Take Me Away. Uh, shooting shark you know but there's some horrible shit on there too like let's go it was produced by Bruce Fairburn who i can't fucking stand he did you know the loverboy shit he did all the uh the horrible fucking sellout uh, aerosmith albums uh he's dead now and i don't mourn you know <laughs> well cuz he's not putting out shitty albums anymore you know hey yeah rest, rest in peace i'm glad you're not producing anymore
1: when, but, was, uh, when was the first voice to Call album to lose an original member?
3: That that was, well, it depends on what you count. Uh, he got fired on the tour for uh, Fire of Unknown Origin. And then they put out the live album, uh, Cult, uh, Cultosaurus Or, oh, or no, no, Summit Ex- Channing Uh Abbey. No, 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 A- uh, Extraterrestrial Live. Oh, okay. Extra- yeah, Extraterrestrial Live was recorded. For the most part on the uh fire of unknown origin tour and some of it i think was recorded on the cultasaurus tour but uh that's got their their lighting uh guy took over rick downey took over on drums but uh so,
1: so the lineup that's on that first album lasted all the way to fire of unknown origin
3: yes that's pretty yes. impressive
1: that's five of them right
3: yes the original five all right, all right. i didn't know that. Uh, but yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, Revolution by Night was the first studio album with a new member, and uh, like I said, not not bad, but the beginning of the end. That's for damn sure, my opinion.
1: Right. My favorite is Fire of Unknown Origin because that's the one I kind of grew up on. And I I, I, lo- I love it. I think I mean it's very consistent. I like all the songs on that one. But uh, but there are bonus tracks. Are these bonus tracks that you sent me are they from the same era? Yes Want to talk about
3: him? Uh, yeah Uh, Borman the Chauffeur Um, not bad I mean, I I can see why it got cut But, uh You know, I I like it Because it sounds of that time You know, and it's got that feel to it What do you think?
1: Actually, that's exactly what I wrote in my I "I can see why this is unreleased But it does have have a really cool guitar song I love Buck Dharma He's so fucking awesome But, uh, yeah, I I don't really dig the song. But then again, it's too new to me for me to, you know. But the next song's pretty funny. Mommy.
3: Oh, I love it. Love it. That song is
1: like, uh, it had that groovy keyboard sound. It sounds like the Archies. And uh, he talks about his wife is fat. She's as big as a house. He wants to feed her a poisonous (laughs) mouth. That's some freaky lyrics, man. (laughs) All right. But, yeah, I, I thought that was... A quite humorous tune and I, I did enjoy that one uh what'd you think of mommy
4: oh i absolutely
3: love mommy uh that's one. like a lot of times uh when i put uh music on my phone because i listen to music all, i listen to music podcasts everything all day long at work or like with a little bluetooth you know ear device and a lot of times just to make extra space i delete bonus tracks you know, and this is one, I, I always keep this on there. Excuse me. I love Mommy. There's just, man, I wish they would have left this. This is one definitely, like, I could see this on there. But then again, it is so weird, but what a great, weird fucking track. But they're a weird fucking band, so it all makes sense.
1: Right. Uh, then there's that next one. What was that one again?
3: Uh, mess, mess- Damn Serata. Fuck if I know.
1: I think that song kicks a lot of ass. I think it's really heavy and killer, man. I mean, I was like, wow, this was unreleased. This is a damn good tune, man. I thought that was a really good song. What do you think?
3: Uh, I dig it, too. It's it's the same thing. Uh, I, I don't like it as much as Mommy, but I, I really do dig it. And that's one that, you know, could have made the album. I, you know... But then again, to me, it's perfect like it is. It's hard to change anything when an album is this sacred to me and this classic. Right. Uh, but it's a good track. I definitely like it better than Borman, the, the chauffeur. Uh, but not as much as Mommy. But then we go into one that I cannot fucking stand. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Do I I, I hate this. I hate... I, I'm so sick of this song, fucking period. This song is born to be wild. Yes. I, I, I'm so sick of it. Um but oh man uh, they've covered this so many times and uh, man I, I, I don't know I'm, I'm not big on on the BOC when they do the covers like you know they do uh, this and and uh, Roadhouse blues is one they did a lot and it's just you know it, it, it's it's not my thing it's not, if, if you like it, you know, fuck, God bless, but uh, man, it just bores me to fucking tears. I don't even want to hear Steppenwolf do it, yeah, let alone at, every
1: else. time Steppenwolf's song comes on, I'm like, turn that off. It is cool. a song that irritates me. I hate that fucking song. And yeah, when I saw are Call Live, they played the song, and I hate it. I'm like, God, I hate that song. But! <laughs> <laughs> this version rules, dude. It's yeah. weird they changed the music. It doesn't sound like the original version anymore. I like yeah. this riff. It's a new riff, and it's like, dude, I dig this point. Bo- this is the way this bo- this song should have been played. <laughs> this is the first time I ever heard a cover that's better than the original, where they actually change it. Because if they would, what's weird about it is when Blue Call plays it live, they play the Steppenwolf version, right? Which sucks.
3: Right. But then this. they
1: they do the studio version that fucking that's different and it's awesome. I was really impressed, saying wow. Now this song sounds cool, so I actually do like a lot the stu- the studio bonus track. Did they do that again in the studio, like Steppenwolf or something? No, I, I know it's on the live album, right? And it's right. also in the Black and Blue
3: movie, right?
1: You actually play yeah. that there, which is like why, well,
3: yeah. Yeah, that, that's another thing that, and I think don't they do Roadhouse Blues in Black and Blue too? You uh, know. And, yes, you're right they do and, yeah, and, it's like, it, what the fuck, man? You know, it's like man, i I much rather would have heard some Blue or Cold originals than, than yeah, those covers Yeah, yeah me
1: too, you know and uh well the last few times I saw them they stopped with uh, they stopped with the covers so that's But cool. uh
3: you know, Ra- Robbie Krieger from The Doors is a friend of the band uh he plays on on Extraterrestrial Live. They they have a version of Roadhouse Blues, and he plays guitar on it. He played guitar on Imaginos, uh, but man, I'd, I'd much rather hear Blue Oyster Cold originals. Uh, the other bonus track on here is the single version of Career V. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, that I didn't. You
3: know, I don't, I don't think right. I
1: even analyzed that
3: one. Uh, well, basically. Uh, they changed some lyrics. Oh, okay. I didn't notice yeah, that. Yeah, they, they changed some lyrics to make it a little less menacing, a little bit more uh, radio-friendly, you know, to make it, I guess, sound, uh, you know, more like uh, Midnight at the Oasis than fucking, uh, you know, something the devil would say. <laughs> right. But, uh, but it, yeah, it's, it's not as good as the original, but it's neat that they... I love any bonus tracks, you know, even if they're bad... I just think it's cool for fans to have extra shit. Uh, you know, let them decide if they want to play it or not. But, man, throw it out there for the fans, because a lot of fans eat bonus tracks up. And, and for the most part, I'm one of them.
1: I like... But, uh, uh, yeah, but... Um, no, go ahead. You had something else to say?
3: Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm just kind of lingering. But, uh, man, I love, love fucking Blues and Colt. Uh, definitely, I want to do some more reviews, because they're one of my favorite bands... Uh, I'm really happy that I got you to listen to this and, th- and that you liked it and it was one you didn't know. And I hope there's a lot of listeners to this uh, to this show that either give them a first chance or a second chance if you were turned off by you know some other shit. Check out Secret Treaties. Everybody run out and get this album. I don't think you'll be disappointed.
1: No, I'm not. I thought it was really good. I also own t- t- Tyranny, what's it called?
3: Tyrant and Mutation oh, I, I, I love own
1: that, that And I own the first one too All three on vinyl I own uh, Yeah the, the Agents of Fortune On Your Feet On Your Knees Another Enchanted
3: evening. Uh, some, some Enchanted Evening
1: I own that um, I remember I used to own that When I was a kid I didn't like it too much I got it again I, I should revisit it um, It's a better
3: album cover Than it is an album <laughs> Yeah The, the album cover is awesome
1: Fire um, of Unknown Origin Revolution by Night those are all I own, but oh, and Cultusaurus Rex, of course. Right. I don't own the. Isn't there one called Mirrors?
3: Yes. I don't own, know. I don't know that, that one. That's a very controversial uh, album, and that's one. Uh, I went on a Blueish Cult Facebook page. You know, told them about the podcast. Said, "Hey, we're getting ready to do a Blueish Cult episode. What What would you guys like reviewed? And uh, a lot of them. Requested that on your feet or on your knees. A lot of people mentioned this album. Uh, a lot of people mentioned Mirrors and Cultosaurus because those are ones, they're back to back albums that fans are very divided on. And uh, I'm game for doing any of those.
2: Yeah,
1: well, you know, we'll, we'll tackle the bluest occult in the future, or, or as uh, the hardcores know them, Soft White Underbelly. There you go. I knew that. You didn't think I knew that, did you? No. (laughs) And they uh, Kiss opened for them, and a year later, they opened for Kiss. We all knew that one. True story. Uh, But, yeah, uh, they're from New Jersey or upstate New York. I can't remember. New York.
3: New York. Upstate New New York. Right? Or New Uh, York City. New York City, I believe. I could be wrong. Mm.
1: But, yeah, yeah, a classic band that I never really, I mean, I've always respected them. I've always been a casual fan. And yeah, I went out of my way to go see him live, so therefore, you know. But, you know, I mean, I, I'm one of the, you know, I guess you would say trendy fans that loves Godzilla, loves Don't Fear the Reaper, loves City of Flames. I've always loved those songs when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, Burn It For You was later, but um, I, I you know, I, I want, now after, like, you got me into this album, I'm going to start getting more into Who Is It Called and checking out... What I have, because I have them on vinyl, and uh, I'm gonna start playing them around the house, you know, because I, I played them once and the, you know I didn't let it sink in. You
3: know? uh, what's a damn shame is, uh, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad you're getting more into them now, and I hope a lot of people check them out because this episode. But man, I wish you would have got into them in your dope smoking days, because you'd probably have an even greater appreciation. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: But you know, <laughs> believe it or not, I was, I did listen to. Coltosaurus Erectus and and uh, Fire of Unknown Origins quite a bit back in the day. You know, I would play yeah. Spindles and I, I don't know. Coltosaurus Erectus is weird, but I I always dug that album for some reason. It's just that was my first one. You know, that was that, my,
3: that that album man, when I was a kid, it always freaked me out because the album cover that big and,
1: dinosaur and, fossil. Oh yeah,
3: and then you remember you uh, obviously you had the album but when you flip it over. And it was the fake picture of, like, the actual egg and shit. It always freaked me out because I thought that was real. Right. I was like, holy shit, this was a real fucking dinosaur and shit. Yeah. It's so freaky. And, uh, and man, that's that's one, because you like it and I have a kind of maybe a different opinion of it, would be a great future episode. Well, yeah,
1: I mean, I don't think, let me tell you something, I just think it's a weird fucking album. It's not like... You know, it's not something I, I, I have spent spinning a long time. It's been a while. But back then, you know, I owned it. You know, when my record collection was small, I would spin what I had a lot. And, you know, I, back then I only had, like, Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin. This is pre... Right at the cusp of 1980. Wasn't that 79, that album? Or was it 80?
3: Uh, I Cult of Swords, Cult of Swords was 80.
1: Okay, it was 80. Okay, but it was, like, right at the time I discovered Judas Priest and started to get more into metal, but that was there before Priest. You know? Right. I think I may have owned Unleashed Needs, but I was listening to them both simultaneously. And yeah, it made me go out and see them live, and I was really into the song Marshall Plan. Yeah. Because of Don Kirshner.
3: Yeah, they got that cheesy... This is Don Kirshner. that fucking
1: video, man. (laughs) That's
3: something else. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. That video is so bad. But
1: I always love Divine Wind.
3: Oh, God, yes. Uh, But I'll tell you what. Before we even get into our pick of the week and all that stuff we normally do, I say we each pick three Bloister Colt songs.
1: All right, cool, cool.
3: Kind of like, you know... If you want, you can pick favorites or, you know, whatever you want. But let's take some turns picking some Blue Oyster Cold songs and hopefully uh, convert some new fans. Well, so. I,
1: I, I don't know what you're going to do, Ian, but I'm going to pick my three favorites. I'm going to have to think about okay. it, so I'll let you go first, and you know, I'll think about it during this song.
3: All right, well, what I'd like to do here is, because uh, it's so hard for me to think, like, three favorites. And because I know we're going to do multiple Blue Oyster cold episodes. We just have to. Uh, what I would like on each one, I'm going to spotlight a different member because the original five were all so important. But I would like to pick three of my favorites, uh, sung by Buck Dharma, that, okay. that actually—that mean, voice. oh yeah, incredible voice and his guitar playing. Fucking forget about it.
1: And maybe I should—I I should stick with Eric Bloom stuff.
3: There you go. Hey, no
1: rules. We do what we want. Yeah, you do it, Buck. I'll do Eric. All right. I want right. my favorites I'll do my favorite Eric Bloom songs.
3: All right. This this definitely has to be my all time favorites of, uh, of Bloister This is off the first album. This is amazing story of a drug deal gone bad. This is then came the last days of May.
1: That was the last day of May from Bloister Cult. That's Ian's first pick out of three. Now I'm gonna pick one with Eric uh, Bloom, and I'm gonna go with uh, the album that we that I don't really I I can't get into, but there's one song on it that's so weird and cool I really dig. This is from Agents of Fortune, right? That's the name of the album, right? Yes. This song is called Tattooed Vampire.
0: Check it out.
3: Vampire off, you know, their biggest album, Agents of Fortune. Great track. Uh, now I'm going to go to a song that came off the next album, Spectrus. Uh, and this is one Sandy Perlman, their manager, said this this song should have put them over the top. It should have been a huge, huge hit. Uh, and, I, and I agree, but I don't, I don't believe it was ever released as a single. An absolute beautiful Beautiful fucking song. This is the the final track on Spectrus. This is I Love the Night.
4: Night, her kiss told me it was over. I walked out late into the dark. The misty gloom seemed to soak up my sorrow. The further I went, on, I felt as
1: That was I Love the Night, the second pick from Ian uh, out of three. And now it's my turn. And I'm going to go with uh, something that we just reviewed today. It is my favorite track off the album. And I think you all should check this song out. It fucking rules. I love it. Flaming Telepath.
2: Nice.
0: Ma My-
3: Flaming Telepaths, one of my all time favorites as well. Excellent fucking choice, Ralph. Um, for my last song, now this is one, you know, the diehards know, but a lot of people won't know because this came out in in the nineties when they couldn't get arrested and could barely put out an album. But I think this is a modern day masterpiece. I put up with anything that Blue Nicoles Nicole has ever put out, period. Uh, it just reeks, drips of Blue Oyster Coal. This is off the Heaven Forbid album. This is Harvest Moon. The Hidden Mirror. What year was, was that? that? Uh, I want to say early 2000s. Wow.
1: Alright, uh, well, my, I'm going to pick now my favorite Blue Is song, which they don't play live that much because Eric Bloom said that it's kind of tough to sing this tune. But uh, look it up on YouTube. It's got a hilarious video to this. This is uh, off of uh, Revolutions by Night. I believe it's the opening track. I love this song. This is my favorite voice to song. This is called "Take Me Away." Awesome) Yes, that was Take Me Away by Bluers Earth Cult, Bringing a close to our uh, three picks of uh, BOC. And I hope you enjoyed it. And now Ian's got the pick of the week. Go for it, Ian.
3: All right. My pick of the week is a newer band. And, God, I hope I didn't pick this already. I know I've mentioned it before on the show. I, I love these guys. They're called Ghost. And uh, a lot of people compare them to, you know, BOC, to Merciful Fate. And I just love the whole eeriness about the band, the, the darkness of the lyrics, uh, the music. Everything about them is great. This is their first album. I think it's called Im- Infamous or Infonious, or how the fuck you pronounce that, Ralph? I,
1: I, I wouldn't know, though I love that album. But I don't, I don't yeah.
3: know what it's called. Anyway, whatever the fuck you call it, look it up. Google this shit. It's the first album by Ghost. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, a lot of people were turned off by the second one. I agree, that one's a grower. Um, But uh, the first one, man, is is fucking incredible. I hope... The third one's coming out this year, and I hope it's as good as this one. But check it out.
1: I I couldn't get into the second one either, man. I mean, if it's a grower... You know what, man? I've been letting it grow on me, and I just gave up. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, the the thing that I loved, really, about the first one was that Blue Earth Occult vibe.
2: Yeah. The
1: vibe of Blue Race Occult that's on that album is just... And, and and everybody's like, "Oh, Merciful Fate," which shows you how sad it is how people don't pick up on the bluesy cult thing. I'll tell you, my guitar player who likes ghosts, I brought that up to him, and he, and he was like, "Holy shit, you're right! That is like, it does sound like bluesy cult." But people think of Merciful Fate because of the satanic vibe and all that shit. But no, man, it's uh, it's also it's it's just um, it's a it's a great and I, and a lot of people hate that fucking. Well, yeah. I'm just hoping the third one is as good as the, uh, the first one because the second one, I still can't get into it.
3: Yeah, I'll tell you what, and I, I saw them live though and they were absolutely amazing. What a show. Not not only musically, but the show they put on, incre- if you get a chance to see ghosts, check them fucking out.
1: Yeah, you know, I uh, they came down here, it was on a Wednesday and that Tuesday is when I got sent to the hospital because of my pancreas problems. So I missed Ghost, and I was going to it. I was, you know, I even took the day off and everything.
3: Oh damn! Yeah,
1: so I missed Ghost. So that was my only opportunity. They played pretty close down Fort Lauderdale, about twenty miles away, and missed them. Anyway, my, that,
3: go ahead. That's why I hate pancreases.
1: Yeah, my well, yeah, I, I
3: think I unfriended mine on Facebook. Let
1: me tell you, yeah, I, I wish I would have done my uh, friend of mine because if not, you and I be drinking those groceries, bro. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> would been, it would be like two drunk guys. No, but that, maybe that would be a mess, though. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. No, nothing would get edited. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And,
1: and, and like we're done with the show, and I'm like, oh shit, man! I forgot to press record. You know? <laughs> so it's better off. Uh, anyway, I'm gonna put. I'm gonna pick something that would surprise people, actually, because this guy is universally hated. But I think he's hated so much that people. Know, wouldn't really look into this album because he's not very liked. Michael Jackson? No, no. Um, Blaze Bailey. Ooh. Yeah, the guy that was in Iron Maiden. Oh, okay. Man, the first album he did after he got booted from Maiden is called Silicone Messiah.
3: I've heard it's good. It is
1: amazing. It's a fucking... I mean, that album rules totally better than the Iron Maiden stuff. And I wasn't really big on Wolf's Bane either. Uh, I highly recommend people check out Silicone Messiah from Blaze. That's my pick of the week. And uh, I think, believe me, man, if you hate Blaze, just check it out. You know, go on YouTube, check out a couple songs. You will be surprised because I was, when I heard it, I was like, holy shit, this is great. You know, it's just a shame it didn't take off for them, but...
3: I, I will check that out because I've heard that from multiple people. That, a, that, that 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 is a really good album.
1: I know he's done stuff after, which I, I, I'm i ashamed to say I haven't looked into. It could be just as good,
3: which right. I should. But, but, um, but it's good. I've, I've also heard in life, in real life, he's a total cunt. He was a cunt to uh, our friend Gully from the Joe and Gully show. Was he? Oh, yeah, and I love it. Gully called him out, you know, because Gully's a big dude. <laughs> Gully's wow. a Gully's a big dude all around, you know. Gully said he had a few drinks, and was like, "Fuck it, you know, I, I'll kick your ass," you know. Uh, and he called him out, uh, you know, on the carpet for being a cunt, which I think is awesome. Was it was it on the show or in person? No, 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 in person. In okay. per, and Gully Gully was a huge fan of his.
0: Wow. And he's
3: he, he's he said he's he's met him twice, and both times he was a fucking cunt. And uh, the, the the second time he just let him hear about it too, you know. I love that. That's one of my favorite Gully stories. You know, you gotta hear him tell the story. It's fucking awesome. But, uh...
1: I'm sure Gully it, loves Silicon Messiah. I will say yeah, this, another thing. I am i don't think those Maiden albums with him were as terrible as everybody made it out to be. I mean, they're, they're not something I would listen to, but I saw them. I saw that tour, the X-Factor tour, whatever. He was really good live with Maiden. I thought he, he, he... The song sounded more... They were better live than they were on record. I think that album, those albums, didn't capture the energy. I thought Blaze was really good with Iron Maiden. That's uh, my final, my final thought on Blaze.
3: Wow, I won't go that far, but uh, hey, did you Deep go Zero. see him. No, because they didn't play anywhere near me. I would have, I would have went there, you know. But uh, no. Um, so there you go, Silicone Messiah. I will check that out. Uh, now let's go to fan of the week and I got to talk about uh about a little lady on the Facebook page and that's Mandy Dahl. Oh yeah,
1: Mandy. She's uh she goes all the way back to the almost human page.
3: Yes, yes, Mandy for the longest time. Uh, you know, now now I think you know, we got a couple women on the page. You know, of course you got, you know, uh, the first lady, Miss Gina Elizabeth, you know, but but even before her, we had Mandy Dahl. Yes. And and, and man, the guys go crazy for Mandy because this was a fucking sausage fest.
1: Here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like, meetings. oh shit, a
3: female. Oh shit. Oh, Anytime she would post, the guys go crazy. It's yeah, you are post- hot, Mandy. <laughs> I've, I've seen that. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen guys hit on her, man. Desperate Uh-oh.
1: motherfuckers
3: the guys go oh (laughs) yeah
1: no come on the chick is just there like hey I like this band and people are like you're hot (laughs) relax your fucking penis you bastard
3: but Mandy's also a musician she's played in bands before I believe she plays bass Uh, and just a cool chick she pops up every once in a while and I'm always happy to see her Mandy Doll, you are the fan of the week. Hell yeah! And she thinks
1: cheap trick. That's a cool
3: thing about her too. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah! Oh, she, she's uh, she's definitely a cool, cool chick, and we're glad to have you around.
1: Yeah, she should have been fan of the week a long time ago, man.
3: Yeah, I know. I, know. I just uh, you know, I always got dick on the brain, so I'm always thinking of dudes. You know. Yeah, that's. True. I I forgot all about Mandy, but Mandy, we love you. And we're glad you're around. Hell yeah! Thanks. All Thanks, right,
1: Mandy, for all the support.
3: Now, let's talk about something else that's awesome, and that is thatmetalstation.com. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. They got a good, great contest going now. That bag of metal. Oh, my God. Check that shit out. I hope y'all are fucking, you know, check out that Metal Station. They've been doing all kinds of shit, running special contests for us. Like I said many times, if you ain't listening to this show, you should be listening to that Metal Station. Everybody loves metal, it's right there. If you're on your computer, just go to that metal If you're listening on your smartphone, use the, uh, oh, fuck. What's that? Uh, what's the fucking app here? Oh my God. Sorry about this. I got to look it up real quick. Uh, I hope I remember T- to edit this yeah. part. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Tune in radio. Tune in radio is an awesome app. And you can download that and just type in that metal station. And and, uh, and you can get listen to it all day long. It's great shit, man. Check it out. Support it. Also, support our Amazon site. You want to go buy some Blue Oyster Cold or anything else we talked about? Use our Amazon link. I would greatly appreciate it because i get a little kickback from that. And it means all the fucking world. Uh, this is a free show, but I do pay to put it on, so... Every little bit fucking helps. Go on to iTunes. Uh, leave us a review, man. That shit means so much. And, and seriously, it helps that we could get potential sponsors by people liking us on iTunes and leaving reviews because that's what sponsors look at. It means a lot. And, uh, you know, check it out. Check us out on Podbean. A lot of you on that. If you have an, uh, an iPhone, there's now a Podbean app. That's free. You can check us out on that. Go on to YouTube, which uh, now is something I'd like Ralph to talk about. We got some great news about the YouTube channel that has been in limbo because a certain ex-co-host got us banned for six months. But Ralph has some great news about the YouTube channel that so many fans love. Ralph, why don't you talk about it?
1: All right, I will. I mean, uh, this may be uh, repeated because... uh, You know, this is an episode we're gonna put. You know, in the little uh, folder when we have like a weekend off, we, you know, we're doing these episodes. So I might be repeating it, but it turns out, and this also goes out to everybody that likes my YouTube reviews. Um, I stopped doing YouTube reviews because they kept banning my damn episodes, and the same thing with the podbean. I mean, the podcast they would my YouTube versions would be banned, but thanks to a killer guy that should be Fan of the Week. I don't know if he's ever been Fan of the Week, but he, to me he's Fan of the Fucking Year. Greg Barnes. Oh, musician. I hate that guy. Alright, well, yeah. I I'm love him. I love him. <laughs> I just hated the show he was on. Um, but he, he showed me how to go around putting up the stuff because here's the thing, man. They were banning my reviews because I'm using copyrighted music, but What's the what's the problem of me putting copyrighted music if I'm talking over it? It's not like you can download. Oh, I'm gonna download uh, like you know Black Sabbath Volume Four off this review. So you're listening to Snowblind with me going, I love this song over it. Who the fuck would do that? Nobody fair. would. Fair. Everybody would just want the music. So he showed me a way to like, it's called fair practice or something, and he showed me what to send them and everything. And let me tell you something once I did this and I clicked like uh, you know hey uh, everything spontaneously my stuff was unbanned so now all my reviews are back up online I'm talking about like Ozzy's Diary of a Madman and, and a bunch of like black Sabbath and and uh, you know AC DC Highway uh, to Hell, my Led Zeppelin presence review all that stuff is now on YouTube again Where it's been banned for years, actually. So, now, thanks to Terrence, I'm banned from putting up uh, uh, the podcast shows for six months, but... That's your buddy Terrence. Yeah, my buddy Terrence did that to us. But, the good news is that four of those episodes were banned. And now they're unbanned. I have them on private, but check out the rock and metal combat podcast Facebook page because every Wednesday I'm gonna put one up well I don't know if it's gonna be every Wednesday but definitely this Wednesday I'm gonna put one up it's the visual pers- uh, version of our podcast and uh, this week I'm gonna put up uh, one that's been banned so long that Terrence is on it. Uh, what is it check it out you'll dig it anyway uh, so thank you again Greg Barnes and I'm I'm gonna mention this again on the next episode uh, that that we put up, that will probably be before this one, I'm going to mention Greg again, man. He's a great guy who really like got me ecstatically happy yesterday. But as always, Ian's got the 911, The four the four. Well, yeah, you could say nine one one as well as 4-1. emergency. It's an emergency information <laughs> of next week's episode. You have been warned. Give him the nine one one.
3: Alright, here's the 911. Next week, we have the original Batman Adam West shows up when we talk about the classic Kansas album, Left Overture. Wow. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Check All it out. Alright. Go go. There goes lots of beer. Go, go, Godzilla! Thanks for listening to Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. All rights reserved, Ian Wadley. Any use of this show without express written permission, I will give Terrence Riden your phone number. Bitch.
2: <laughs> I love that.